The Rules Committee staff takes responsibility to help manage the daily infrastructure of the Senate. No issues too small or too big, from everything from security decisions for the presidential inauguration to a recent call to ask whether we could release someone's pet owl in the Russell Courtyard so that owl would have a home and we'd all appreciate it. That was Senator Roy Blunt, Republican of Missouri, giving his farewell speech on the Senate floor December 6, 2022. You may be saying goodbye to Senator Blunt. He gave his first speech on the Senate floor 12 years ago. Or you may be wondering, what happened to the owl? We'll answer that cliffhanger shortly, because in this episode of C-SPAN's The Weekly, it's the best of Congress farewell speeches 2022. We began with owls. We continue with clowns. Since the U.S. Congress convened on March 4th, 1789, 12,421 individuals have served as representatives, senators, or in both capacities. Many made farewell speeches. Few mentioned clowns. Here's one who did. Mr. Speaker, several years ago, I ran into a former member of the House, and I asked him whether he missed it. He answered, I don't miss the circus. I miss the clowns. Now that I'm in my final days as a member and I've reflected on my 16 years here, I'm going to tweak that line. I won't miss everything about the circus, and I will miss many, but not all, of the clowns. I also now understand why so many people are afraid of clowns. That was John Yarmuth concluding his service as a Democratic representative from Kentucky. From the neighboring state of Ohio, departing Republican Senator Rob Portman made no comparison to clowns. He took a softer approach to his colleagues. Relationships matter in this place. I'll miss my colleagues. One consolation is that our retiring class consists of good friends who I hope to cross paths with in the real world. Senators Blunt, Burr, Inhofe, Leahy, and Toomey have all made impressive contributions in their tenure here. I'm thinking maybe we should start a post-Senate support group. (laughs) And come January, this place loses a great intellect and a great friend, Ben Sass. I think, Ben, you should hold the meetings at the University of Florida if it's okay. Okay, done. We'll stick with Ohio and move over to the House for remarks by retiring Ohio Republican Congressman Steve Shabbat. A bit of House history, he is the last direct link to the Republican Revolution of 1994 and Newt Gingrich. There's a Chinese proverb, uh, may you live in interesting times. My 26 years in Congress have certainly been that. I was first elected in the 1994 Republican Revolution, Newt Gingrich, the contract with America. Republicans took over the House for the first time in 40 years, which was my approximate uh, age at the time, and 73 freshman Republicans were elected. I'm the last one in the House out of 73, and I'll be gone in a few weeks. Newt Gingrich got another mention in the Senate in the farewell speech of North Carolina Republican Senator Richard Burr. Now from that class of 1994, the only three of us left, Roger, Lindsay, and me. And my time is short. The contract with America created a new majority. Newt Gingrich and Frank Frank Luntz crafted our unifying message to the American people. We came with a commitment not to leave for 100 days until we started to change the course of American government. Senator Burr's mention of Roger was to Mississippi Senator Roger Wicker, 
Lindsay is South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham. And back in the House, one more Newt Gingrich mention in another farewell speech. From Louis Gohmert, the Texas Republican congressman opened this way. Uh, this will likely be the last speech that I will be able to give from the House floor. I can imagine there are people clapping all over that are watching C-SPAN. Congressman Gohmert later added this. If somebody's not going to take our time to talk about these issues, and yeah, there's usually not much anybody around here on the House floor, but as Newt said, you may have 200,000 to 4 million people watch C-SPAN different times. You never know how many you're going to watch, but you can make a difference if you talk about what's important. For Democratic Congresswoman Elaine Luria of Virginia, we'll first hear her maiden House floor speech, March 7, 2019, supporting a resolution condemning anti-Semitism, a resolution prompted by remarks from fellow Democratic Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. I believe that I speak clearly for all fellow Jewish veterans that this echoes of language that has been used to marginalize and persecute the Jewish people for centuries. The recent accusations of dual loyalty call into question the equal footing of Jewish members in elected office and, by extension, all Jews living in America. I'm proud to vote on this resolution in condemnation of this rhetoric. Now, nearly four years later, Representative Elaine Luria referenced those remarks in her December 14, 2022 farewell speech. The first time I stood in this very place to speak on the floor of the House, I rose as a Jewish woman to speak out against anti-Semitism, which has seen a rapid and alarming rise and has even reared its head among our colleagues in this own chamber in the forms of claims of dual loyalty to those who show support for Israel, our strongest ally in the Middle East. I look back on that first speech I made as a member of Congress and am even more concerned today about the rising frequency and pervasiveness of anti-Semitism. I implore my colleagues to continue their quest to root out this scourge of vile and pernicious anti-Semitism. Representative Luria then mentioned something more recent, her participation in the January 6th committee. In that first speech, I also mentioned my oath I took to support and defend the Constitution. But little did I know that two short years later, I would witness an attempt by our own president and his allies to subvert the Constitution and summon a mob to disrupt the counting of electoral votes from a free and fair election. On that day, January 6, 2021, lives were lost, these hallowed halls were desecrated, and the strength of our democracy was tested. I've been humbled to participate in uncovering the facts about that dark day in our history. I thank Chairman Thompson and Vice Chair Cheney and my colleagues on the staff of the January 6th Committee for standing on the side of democracy. Congresswoman Luria's Republican colleague on the January 6th Committee mentioned a Republican president many House Republicans have not cited in a while, George H.W. Bush. Here is retiring Congressman Adam Kinzinger. Where Republicans once believed that limited government meant lower taxes and more autonomy, today limited government means inciting violence against government officials. Following the tragic Oklahoma City bombing, former President George H.W. Bush publicly refuted those who used fear to gain support. In stark contrast, our leaders today belittle and in some cases justify attacks on the U.S. Capitol as, quote, legitimate political discourse. The once great party of Lincoln, Roosevelt, and Reagan has turned its back on the ideals of liberty and self-governance. Instead, it has embraced lies and deceit. We heard earlier from Senator Rob Portman. In his farewell speech, 
he too mentioned President Bush, both Presidents Bush. We all have our own views, and that's fine. And as elected leaders, we certainly have a responsibility to represent our states and our constituents. But I think sometimes we forget we were also hired to do our best to find that common ground and to achieve results. That's what we were hired to do. When I need to be reminded about that, I think about my political mentor, George H.W. Bush, who gave me my first job in politics, first on the campaign trail and then in his White House. To him, public service was absolutely a noble calling, a way to serve. And he helped young people like me see that by his example. In working for his son, George W., Bush, I witnessed that same commitment to public service. That's two specific mentions of former Republican President George H.W. Bush from Republicans. Now, here are two not-so-veiled swipes at another former Republican president, Donald Trump, also from Republicans, but without naming him. First, Pennsylvania Senator Pat Toomey. For my Republican colleagues, let me just say, our party can't be about or beholden to any one man. We're much bigger than that. Our party is much bigger than that. We are the political representation of this huge center-right coalition across America. On a good day, that's more than half of Americans. And second, Jamie Herrera Butler. The congresswoman from Washington state was one of 10 Republicans who voted to impeach Donald Trump after the January 6th Capitol attack. She lost in the primary. As I depart, I would like to offer just a little bit of unsolicited advice to my friends here in this chamber. One way or another, every single one of us, or you, are going to leave office as I'm preparing to do now. And when that happens, you're going to get to ask, so many people are going to ask you what you're most proud of. And you're going to think back with pride about all of the times that you helped someone that you represent out of a really tough situation. Or you'll be proud that you stood strong for what you thought was right. Or you'll be proud of the laws that you passed to help make the lives better for Americans. But let me tell you what you won't think of. That time you tweeted something that got 10,000 likes. Or that time that you thought of a really mean, clever thing to say about the other party or the other team. Or those times you told part of the truth, but maybe not all of the truth, and hoped that no one was going to ask you what you really meant. The people who elect us put their faith in us to represent them, and we owe them the truth. It, and times, in, especially in the heat of the moment, the truth is somewhat the last thing that people want to hear, especially if it doesn't fit their narrative. But that doesn't make it any less true. And we don't do Americans any favors if we deceive them or if we stand by quietly as they deceive themselves. Hardcore partisans on both sides will tell you that their party is blameless and that the other party is the only one that engages in deception. But the truth is, there are people in both parties who've made an industry of it. Congresswoman Butler discussed truth. So too did Congressman Adam Kinzinger. Had I known that standing up for truth would cost me my job, friendships, and even my personal security, I would, without hesitation, do it all over again. I can rest easy at night knowing that I fulfilled my oath to the office. I know many in this institution cannot do the same. Now, a demonstration of the range of ages in Congress. Senator Jim Inhofe, a Republican from Oklahoma, has been in office long enough to make an enemy of a major newspaper. Fighting for uh, far-left environmentalists, uh, it's no shock to anyone that the Washington Post has dubbed me 
public enemy number one for the radical environmentalists uh, for decades now. And uh, for much of my time in the Senate, I was chair of the ranking member and ranking member of the Environment and Public, uh, Public Works Committee. Most farewell speeches were delivered in the middle of December. Senator Inhofe gave that speech on November 16th, giving him the distinction of making the earliest Senate farewell speech for the departing class of the 117th Congress. He earned another distinction a month later. Not many members of Congress get to cast one of their final votes on major legislation named for themselves, but Senator Inhofe did just that. On December 15, 2022, the James M. Inhofe National Defense Authorization Act passed the Senate 83-11. to 11. Here's Senate Armed Services Committee Chairman Jack Reed. First, let me acknowledge Ranking Member Inhofe, whose leadership on the Armed Services Committee and in this chamber has been monumental. For more than 20 years, I've had the privilege of serving with him on the committee. In turn, we've been chairman and ranking member, and I'm honored uh, that this year's bill will be named the James M. Inhofe National Defense Authorization Act. Retiring Senator Richard Shelby, Republican from Alabama, noted how long he's been married. 62 years. Lastly, toward the end, I also want to thank my family for their enduring support. I want to thank my wife, Annette, who's here, my wife of 62 years. My service here would not have been possible without her. I'm also immensely grateful for her dedication to my career and her ambition and ability on her own to break her own glass ceiling in academia along the way. But Democratic Vermont Senator Patrick Leahy had Senator Shelby beat by one year. But of course, Marcel, I was 19. She was 17 when we met. I took one look at Marcel and I knew I wanted to go on every journey together. 63 years later, We're still on that journey. She is still my closest friend, my partner, and my anchor. From the younger end of the age spectrum, Rodney Davis. The Illinois Republican congressman was gerrymandered out of office. This isn't his farewell speech, but from final floor remarks he gave during a debate over replacing a Capitol bust of Supreme Court Justice Roger Tawney with a bust of Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall. From an exchange he had with much more senior and longtime Democratic leader, Steny Hoyer. Mr. Speaker, before my good friend from Maryland leaves the floor, I want to ensure that something is entered into the congressional record. That I, Rodney Davis from Illinois, was minus three years old when my good friend, Mr. Hoyer, was sworn into the Maryland State Senate. And you know what? To have a friend like Steny Hoyer... To be able to go out like I am here in a few weeks, knowing that you have a bipartisan piece of legislation like this that is going to make Tani Agani when it comes to the statues <laughs> here in the, in, in the U.S. Capitol. And to know that we're talking and being able to have that bipartisan conversation is what I came here to do. Congressman Rodney Davis discussed statues in the Capitol. Democratic Congressman from Pennsylvania, Connor Lamb, discussed paintings. Mr. Speaker, this is my last speech 
and the first time that I walked in here, I, I looked all around the chamber the way that new members do, and it really struck me that there are only two paintings in here. They're right behind me now, and um, one is of George Washington and one is of General Lafayette. And I think what struck me is that neither man ever served in this house. Uh, but on that first day, I felt like they were looking right at me and saying, we have a message for you. Don't take this place for granted. Other people had to fight for us to be able to do what we do in here. And on that first day, I had no idea that uh, within less than three years, the D.C. police and the Capitol police would have to fight for us again right here, that hundreds of them would be injured, that some would even give their lives just so that we could walk back in that night and do our job. We'll end with Senator Patrick Leahy, who cast over 17,000 votes and served with 400 senators. We heard him earlier. Now we'll hear from someone else. On December 6, 2022, in one of his final acts as President Pro Tempore, Vermont Senator Leahy introduced the guest chaplain, Vermont Bishop Christopher Coyne of the Diocese of Burlington. Bishop Coyne offered this brief prayer. Let us pray. God of hope and God of peace, from whom all blessings flow, may your spirit of peace and wisdom descend upon all here present for the work of the Senate. May each of us seek to serve the common good of all, both in our great nation and in the world at large, and send some snow upon the ski slopes of Vermont soon. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. When Bishop Coyne mentioned snow, Senator Leahy broke out into a big smile. Proof that not only are all politics local, but prayers can be too. And now, a bonus clip. This year, longtime Alaska Republican Congressman Don Young died in office March 18, 2022. So, no farewell speech. But on December 12, 2022, Senator Lisa Murkowski, also a Republican from Alaska, gave him a gift, his own volcano, at least in name. I've known his, uh, I've known him in his softer side and certainly in his gruff and more explosive side. And so as we were looking for something that might be fitting, um, we looked not only at mountains, but we looked at mountains that continue to blow their top to this very day and selected a, uh, a volcano on the Aleutian Islands um, that is, is currently named, I believe it's pronounced Mount, Mount Cerebus. Um, and we have, through this, this designation, um, designated this uh, volcano in the eastern Aleutians after our former congressman. And now the cliffhanger. What happened to that owl? We return to Senator Roy Blunt's farewell speech for the thrilling conclusion. Senator Klobuchar and I quickly decided it probably wouldn't be good for the Russell Courtyard or the owl, and so the owl was not released. No word where that owl ended up. That's it for this episode of C-SPAN's The Weekly. What a hoot! We've played the best of Congress farewell speeches in 2022. Now we say farewell to 2022. Oh, wait, one final bit of business. You still get a bonus clip. Here's Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell saying farewell to his Republican colleague from North Carolina, Richard Burr. So we thank our colleague for his outstanding work for our country, and I have it on good authority 
that our friend has a favorite catchphrase that he's used to bid farewell to his office after they've spent a long day doing good work. So, Richard, as you like to say, dilly dilly. This is Howard Mortman. On behalf of the vast, huge staff of the entire C-SPAN Radio podcast team, if we have time, we'll name every single one of them, Kate Mills, Shannon Rice. Hey, what do you know? We did have time. Thanks for listening to the entire suite of C-SPAN podcasts throughout the year. We have 12 of them. And thanks for using the C-SPAN video library throughout 2022. Here's to more searching in 2023. Happy New Year and happy searching. Thank you.